Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Okay, can you see me? Can you hear me? Hey, what up? Hey man, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to see you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I'm very excited to talk to you and and uh, get into it. But the first thing I do have to do, I apologize, is get through a quick ad read. So hope you don't That's mind cool. if you just sit there for a sec, take that, and you know, I uh, appreciate that. <clears throat> Folks, this is still a pretty new show, still a pretty small show. You know, I started this thing in November. It's just now the end of February. A long way to say that I'm still waiting for some real sponsors. Your your Simply Safes, your Athletic Greenses, your Bombay, which is, of course, the plural for Bombus, all the classics that you hear on every other podcast. But until those real sponsors come calling and the ad revenue starts rolling in, I want to use this section to highlight things that I currently enjoy, bring some attention to the little guy who needs some word of mouth, and that's why today's sponsor is the little engine that could, Apple TV. This scrappy little company, Apple, I think I'm saying that right, has been releasing some of the best shows and movies out there recently. Ted Lasso, obviously. Mythic Quest, I'm a huge fan. For All Mankind, Physical, Slow Horses, lots of great stuff. And their newest show is Shrinking, and so far, I'm really digging it. From producer Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs, which is one of my all-time favorites, and co-created Ted Lasso, comes a sweet, sad little comedy about a therapist dealing with the death of his wife and trying to shake his clients out of their issues with some pretty extreme treatment, starring Jason Segel, Jessica Williams, Krista Miller, and Harrison Ford. Shrinking is very funny, very touching, leaves you feeling better than when you started it. What else do you want in a sitcom? So help the little guy out. Subscribe to Apple TV and enjoy Shrinking and all the other great shows and movies that they've got going on right now. Then we pause, and then, hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39-Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones, but I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. My guest today was a staff writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Recently, his comedy pilot spec script, Cultisac, won top comedy in the Launchpad Pilot Competition. He also teaches pilot writing and directs a sketch team at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Please welcome Jeff Topolsky. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I really appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you saying yes. I appreciate you coming on. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think is kind of weird and kind of funny is that we were doing improv and sketch at basically the same time. We knew yeah. we know all the same people. Yeah. We we ran in the same circles back when I ran in circles and did things. Uh-huh. We don't know each other that well. Like I we, know. It's we, weird. It's like I feel like we have a uh following from afar type relationship Mm -hmm. i think that's true yeah you Um, always go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i have a really interesting story that you may not know okay so or maybe you maybe maybe we talked about this maybe we didn't did you were you in an did one of your improv classes maybe your 101 was it with drew drew defonzo marks or was that a different or no no, I never, I don't think I ever had Drew as a teacher. I think I had him as a coach oh, a few times. There was something, I feel like maybe it wasn't Drew's class, but there, for some reason, I think I saw a grad show and you were in the grad show. <laughs> and I remember being like, that guy's really funny. And oh I my God. Like I told someone, I was like, that guy's, he's, he's got it. <laughs> um, that was a long time ago. 
Well, I appreciate that. I'm not as, I don't think I'm as funny as I was back then. It's nice to hear someone <laughs> affiliated with UCB tell me I'm funny. That doesn't happen <laughs> to me very often. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, I, you always struck me as uh, someone who's very funny. I've heard nothing but good things about you, but just somehow we always kind of missed each other for the most part. Um, so I'm excited to actually get to know you and talk to you. This is going to be, I'm excited, genuinely. Yeah, same. Definitely. Um, I want to start where I usually start these episodes. You know, this podcast for me was kind of born from the pandemic, the, the result of me becoming more of a shut-in and needing something not in the theater anymore, something creative and fun and social to do from the comfort and safety of my home. So what have these last three years or so been like on your end? What have you learned about yourself? What did you do to stay sane? How has life been for Jeff Topolsky? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I feel like I feel like a thing I learned about myself for either positive or maybe this is a negative. I feel <laughs> like I learned um how much I do kind of like uh crave some sort of engagement of some kind. I feel mm -hmm. like I found myself um posting the things on Instagram with like a poll or a fun like weird bitch because I'm like I want people to interact with this so I can have mm -hmm. some some something like that. Um, also, uh, my fiance and I got a dog during the pandemic, and that's been the best. Her name is Bailey. This is kind of what she looks like, but not. It's not a. It's, it's... not a real photo, <laughs> as you can tell. Sure. But that's kind of what she looks like, and um, <laughs> that's been amazing. I learned a lot about being a dog a dog parent I think a, mm -hmm. a funny thing is about being a dog parent is that my fiance she kind of thought when we were getting a dog she's like okay well are you gonna be like able to you know give like if you have to you have to punish the dog or you have to be serious are you gonna be able to do that and I was like <laughs> uh -huh. I think so yeah yeah but then the funny thing is she I'm the one who's more willing to do that and she's like very not willing to, to do that interesting i'm like i'm like i'll be like she's like barking i'm supposed to I'll be like hey no no and then she'll be like oh it's it's okay it's okay you know <laughs> so yeah so it feels like was she testing is this sort of that classic like let's see how we do with the dog let's see what our parenting styles are like if i mean that's, that's, in our that's kind of how i think it came up in the beginning was it was like yeah. when we eventually have kids it's like will will i be able to will i always be like oh i want to be the cool dad or will i be willing to like <laughs> be stern and then like with a dog we realize like mm -hmm. oh no i can do it if i need to but like can you can you do that <laughs> we'll see, you know obviously having a kid will be very different but um but it's also debatable we, yeah yeah and then we i said my fiance but we got engaged during the pandemic too so that was um a big life event yeah, so that congratulations was, there was some, thank you very much there were definitely some things some things cooking some things happening but mm -hmm. um yeah, and I started teaching that class during the pandemic too because it was like wanting to kind of uh, keep, you know, the the writers' room I was in wrapped during that pandemic too. So mm -hmm. it was kind of trying to keep that uh, creative, the creative juices flowing in a different way. So mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely want to get into that, uh, but I want to I want to go back to the beginning. I want to get to know the Jeff Topolsky story. Yes, you grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, which was ranked the number one place to live by Money Magazine in 2006. Yes. Um, does it live, does Fort Collins live up to that height? Was it the best place to live in America? In 2006? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, no, all, <laughs> all the time, I think it, it I, I really, it's funny because I grew up there and I think because growing up there, I wanted always to go to 
LA and work in film and TV. I always kind of wanted mm-hmm. to like get out and I was always like itching to leave. And then now every time I go back, I'm always like, oh my gosh, that's just like the best city. I wish mm-hmm. I could just live here all the time. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It's like it's like Colorado, Colorado State University is there. So it's kind of like a college town vibe in certain parts of it. And yeah, it's just a really great really nice place there's like some you know there's a nice mountain view there's Mm -hmm. very you know the nature a lot of people like on bikes a lot of outdoorsy people it's a nice yeah I really loved being in uh Fort Collins you said like so growing up you already knew that you wanted to like wait at what point did you know that you were like I'm gonna be a writer I'm gonna be in comedy like when did that start for you I guess I didn't it wasn't like when I was like a little kid but it was in like uh in like high school I kind Mm -hmm. of had figured that out like early in high school I think I found I knew that I liked, I, that's when I first got into watching shows and being like, I, 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 for some reason I like didn't ever watch a lot of TV shows and I didn't realize like that they could be really funny. And then I started watching, mm-hmm. it was, it was actually like the office. Like I started watching the office mm-hmm. and, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, this is so different than I thought it was. And I started watching Arrested Development and then also kind of clicked for me. And I was like, mm-hmm, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this is great. And then I kind of got into writing a little bit i was doing speech and debate i don't know if you did speech and debate no speech and debate i I know i i know it but i never got into it i don't know if my school even had that honestly yeah so they have an event in speech and debate that's they have like there's like the debate stuff which i didn't do Mm -hmm. and then they have interp events which are kind of like performancy and acting and you like perform like a short 10 minute piece of a some kind of play or something mm-hmm. and I started doing that and then after the first year doing that I was like oh I want, kind of want to write my own version of this like that mm-hmm. I, you know so I just like wrote something and you had to like get it published to performance where there's like website that you can get stuff published on and I would like publish it under a fake name so I could perform <laughs> it and then I just like kept writing more things and then mm-hmm. kind of realized like I could like combine that interest of mine with how much I was recently just getting into like tv comedy and kind of try to pursue that so none of the teachers or advisory or anything knew that like this was stuff that you had written like you were that you, did you keep that secret the whole time or did you kind of like on well, the my, side be like this is my, my stuff yeah my coaches knew and they really encouraged it and they were like, this mm-hmm. is, they're like this is good it, the vibe was that there were like some people who thought it was against the the nat- the 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 thesis <laughs> of being interpretation because it's like mm. how you interpret a work but it's like what if it's your own work um so there were some people who never knew. Some people knew and like frowned upon it, but uh, it, it's you know I, I was it was encouraged from from my team. And then the cool thing actually was I originally only wrote these things so then I could perform them. But mm-hmm. then the thing about publishing it through this like website was that then it's on their website. All and right. then I ended up running into people at other tournaments doing pieces that I wrote oh, and wow. stuff. And so I ran into someone at like a tournament in Boston who was like doing a thing that I had written and it was really cool to kind of be like oh there's more it kind of that was another kind of yeah. moment where I was like oh the writing can be more than just a thing like for me it can be yeah it can kind of go out there yeah how did that feel like I, it sounds like at least originally this was all just like oh, I'm just gonna do something for me to do but then to know somebody else read your thing liked your thing interprets your thing like that had to be like a boost of confidence a boost of I I maybe I know what I'm doing and maybe I can keep doing this like how did that feel the first time that you experienced that yeah it was very it was definitely was very validating and it was really cool to see and it was I think also that is kind of a moment where it it like solidified 
because some people I think want to write but also want like a lot more control and want to like also direct or also act in the thing and I it mm-hmm. kind of solidified for me that it actually is very fun and interesting for me to write something and see someone else just like fully interpret it in their own mm-hmm. way and like that was, it was really gratifying and satisfying so yeah it was definitely very validating and um yeah it, it really was like oh cool there's like something here it's like not just a thing that stuff I find funny it's like other people are finding this funny too and yeah it was really exciting to kind of see that did you study film tv in school like in college or like what did you where did you go what did you how did you start like moving toward this as a career yeah so I started at Colorado State and I Mm -hmm. did I was doing like communication and political science but my goal was always to try to get to film school at some point Mm -hmm. and then I transferred to Chapman University down in Orange Mm -hmm. and I um, studied screenwriting there okay okay so yeah you did the traditional thing I yeah I also I want I knew I wanted to do film and tv but I studied communications uh, broadcast journalism and just kept studying that and Mm -hmm. (laughs) didn't leave so it's good that you knew it and pursued it and chased it like and you knew at that point I, I definitely felt like I guess this is my backup plan but then I was like well what if I try to do this as just my plan. Writing is hard. Like moving to LA is hard. What yeah. if I just try to work in news? And I did and it hated it. And so mm-hmm. I start. I feel like I started here a little bit later than I could have if I had like really known and, and took that risk early. It's cool that you, you just went for that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was like also a whole, even more with a process where it was like, I had applied to Chapman when, out of high school. I applied to three schools. I applied to Chapman Colorado State and University of Colorado Boulder Mm -hmm. and my plan at that point in time was to go to CU Boulder because they had like a film program and I was just telling everyone like oh I'm going to CU Boulder next year and then what happened was I got into Chapman which was a surprise I like didn't I kind of did that on like a what if I what if I sent an application here to see what would happen got into Chapman got into Colorado State and then was waitlisted at CU Boulder Mm. and so it was like I had to like totally readjust kind of how I envisioned my college career Mm -hmm. and thought maybe I could swing Chapman, but it's a very expensive private school. So yeah, could not swing going to Chapman. So did Colorado state after a year applied to transfer, got into Chapman again, but then did not receive any financial aid or anything. Mm. Still couldn't swing it. And then next year applied again got in and then that year they threw me a bone gave me a scholarship <laughs> and so I was able to go so it was like three years in a row of doing college applications it yeah kind of a lot but. that sounds like a lot um so then you end up in LA you end up at how did you end up at UCB what what drew you to that and um like you know obviously you're writing tv you're studying screenwriting you know UCB is improv and sketch just which you know helps and contributes and helps you as a writer but completely different kind of writing uh mm-hmm. and performance like what what made you think um I'm gonna give UCB a try yeah I had while at Chapman I started doing improv and I had never mm-hmm. done improv before but I you know knew I liked comedy I knew some people who were on the improv team so I decided to give it a shot and really really liked that there um really enjoyed it a lot and like was helping like run the team by the end of the my time there and then also like happening parallel, I took a, at Chapman, they had like a summer class, which is like a sketch writing class. Mm, okay. and it was really cool because it was 
so Ann Beats taught this class who was like an original SNL writer. Oh, wow. And it was like twice a week. And on Tuesday, you met and you brought in sketches and read them. And then on Thursday, you like all went up to LA and went to see some kind of comedy show. And so oh, sometimes cool. it was like uh, a stand-up show. And sometimes it was a Conan taping. And then it was a show. We saw a show at UCB and it was my first time ever at UCB. Mm-hmm. And it was like a sketch show. And that was really cool for me to see and everything. So I think those kind of, I had used to be was on like a high pedestal for me. Mm-hmm. So then um, after I graduated, I decided to try to get in the mix and take an improv class and continue. Like I wanted, definitely wanted to keep doing improv after college. Mm-hmm. How did your parents feel about pursuing this kind of, you know, this is a tough job and it's a tough life. Um, you know, once you're in great, to a degree, but it's really hard to break into where was there, you know, sort of discussion of like, maybe you should do something more practical or were they, have they been supportive? They've always been supportive. There was never, there was never a sense of like, maybe you should do a different thing. Mm-hmm. There has been some like, you know, oh, it seems like really hard, <laughs> you know, like acknowledgement <laughs> of that. And like, yeah. and sometimes my mom would be like, so you're probably like never moving back home or maybe I get that yeah I still get that yeah the thought of like maybe something will happen but they've always been really supportive and I think especially the year where I did end up going because I'm also one of three kids I'm the youngest I was also the first one to move out of the states my other Mm -hmm. siblings are still around in Colorado and so I think moving away was also like a big a very big deal for my parents Mm -hmm. too but I think I I just remember along that once I got in and got a scholarship they were like very supportive and were like we know that so at some point, it like clicked for them completely of like, if he really wants to do this, like you, you have to be out there doing it. Yeah. So like as much as they would like me to be in Colorado, it's like they know I have to be out there doing it, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that they've, they've been really supportive, which has always been really nice. I've never felt like pressure to pursue something different. That's nice. So that's, uh, yeah. Um, so now let's get into, I want to start getting into the professional track because, you know, mm-hmm. the people who listen to the show, I think are often, I'm are often curious about like how different people get started. And the truth is it's it's different for every, every writer, every person just have a different journey. So your first job, if I, if my research is correct, was as a researcher on uh, the Pete Holmes show on his late night show. Um, Yeah. So yeah, actually immediate, very short lived right before that was, um, so I had interned at Conan when I was in college, which was okay. amazing. Conan was like big hero to me. So Icon, really cool. I love him so much. Yes, yes, huge. So that was a great internship. And then as I was graduating, like at the exact same time, basically, the the Conan was like producing this clip show called Dion Cole's Black Box. And mm-hmm. so the clips people from that show were like working on on. Dion Cole's black box and so they needed like a temporary like two to three month gig for someone to work as like a clips PA and Mm -hmm. so they reached out to me because I kind of stayed in touch with them and so like the week after finals I like started doing that and so that was like a two to three month thing that was really cool I just like worked in the post department and watched helped find clips of stuff Mm -hmm. and then that I, I knew that they were getting ready to launch the Pete Holmes show because they were Conan people are producing it. Right. And so I really like bugged everyone to try to get in the mix on that. And so, yeah, I started initially actually also doing like clips 
and fo- it was stuff that I did not know how to do, but I was, <laughs> I was able to like kind of learn how to do it. I was like mm-hmm. finding photos to use in things and finding clips and clearing clips. It was like stuff that was above my head, but I was doing that. And then it shifted like between like seasons of the show. And then I moved on to doing like guest research mm-hmm. and I was assisting like the segment producer and stuff. So yeah, that's, that was my kind of first like real like gig out of college. Yeah. Did that experience, so from there, your next, was your next job uh, starting at Brooklyn Nine-Nine as a PA? Was that after Pete Holmes? Mm-hmm, yeah. So you have kind of a traditional track like that. I want to get into this further, but that almost doesn't exist anymore, hardly, of starting as a, as a PA, moving up to like writer's PA, writer's assistant, staff writer, which is traditionally how this industry has has worked in a lot of ways and it seems like that kind of track is disappearing um which I would do want to talk about further but so talk about if you don't mind like how you started there and then it sounds like at least with your experience with Pete Holmes too you're willing to and able to advocate for yourself and say this is what I want this is the direction I want my career to move in so were you was that what you were doing at Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well like I would like to work up to this and I just love to hear more about that process I have never been in a writer's room like that so I'm just I would love to hear more about it yeah for sure so I so like Pete Holmes got canceled which was Mm -hmm. a bummer and um I knew I was kind of interested I really liked late night and sketched up but I knew I was interested in kind of like jumping over to narrative in some way Mm -hmm. and so the move it's one of those like how I ended up over there was one of those like stupid Hollywood stories of like just lucky happenstance. It was I love stupid Hollywood stories. Let's go. I was talking to my roommate who was a friend of mine from college. And I said, I really love to like switch over to narrative. I'd love to work on a show like Parks and Rec or maybe even Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which had been on for one season at this point. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I think my co-worker's roommate is the production coordinator at Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, want me to pass your resume over? And I said, I guess it couldn't hurt. Yeah. And then they reached out and said, we're hiring office PAs right now. Do you want to come in? And so then I got hired as an office PA So for season two. Okay. So that was really like, again, like right, you know, lucky people know each other in right mm-hmm. place, right time. Um, started as an office PA for season two, was doing a lot of, you know, I was getting groceries. I was running around on a golf cart around the lot handing out call sheets and stuff um but yeah I I think I made it clear in my even in my interview that I eventually you know I'm a person who is I consider myself to be a writer and I would like to that's my goal but I want to like learn all about how a show works I want to learn how all the departments and I'm glad I did too I think it was actually really fun to interact with every department on the show Mm -hmm. um and then season two going into season three there was some movement and some people had left and so everyone kind of got bumped up and so I got bumped up to being a writer's PA and so I was doing similar things but just for the writer's office so that Mm -hmm. was really fun and just being in that building was exciting and meeting all the writers um then similarly there was a little more movement some people moving on and things and so then I was a writer's assistant for season four and then there you know I'm in the in the room where it happens and taking Mm -hmm. notes and um, getting involved in all of that. And so that was really, really exciting. And then there was less movement for a time. Mm -hmm. And so I was a writer's assistant for three seasons. Okay. Um, But the great thing about this time, not, not the current time, but that time is that we had 22 episode seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, 
they would always give like the writer's assistant or the script coordinator like an episode to write. Mm -hmm. And so my second season as a writer's assistant, I got to write an episode of the show Mm -hmm. and that was really great. And they were really also, they could have easily been like, we'll put your name on this episode and call it a day. But it was really like, they wanted me to have the experience of writing the episode. So I like Mm -hmm. was in the room when we were breaking it and I went off and wrote the outline and helped got some notes and read, you know, read draft on the outline mm-hmm. and went off to be on script for five days and came back and was involved in the rewrite process and was able to be on set for it. So it was really like the full experience. Mm-hmm. So that was great. I really had a really positive experience with that episode. Um, and then writer's assistant for another year. And then I got to write another episode that year, which was also really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little more movement and then finally, and then I got bumped up to script coordinator. Mm-hmm. And so similar to writer's assistant, sending out a lot of drafts, doing a lot of uh, weird like clearance stuff and paperwork stuff, but it was mm-hmm. fun. And then wrote another episode. So at this point I have written three episodes of the show right. and I'm like, and the, I've been gotten a lot of great feedback and, and everything. And then finally come season eight, I get the call that they are want to bump me up to staff writer. Um, at the time, we didn't know it was the final season. We hadn't decided it was the final season. Mm-hmm. Also, at the time I got the call, it was going to be, we didn't know it was going to be a, a Zoom thing. It was pre- right. But the call pre-pandemic room started during the pandemic. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was, it, I was on the show for seven seasons. Uh, it was a long, and that's that's the thing, like you mentioned, shows don't last seven seasons eight seasons mm-hmm. now and so it's or hard have to... 22 episodes or, or yeah, yeah. Or 22 episodes because we had a big room too we had like 14 writers in the room and so it was you know I mean it was really it was a really really supportive room for me when I was in those roles who were excited to like have me pitch ideas and would ask me mm-hmm. questions and would, whenever there'd be like an assignment hey everyone like think of 20 Terry pitches like I'd be expected to like also do that and so it was Mm -hmm. a nice environment to like learn a lot in um but yeah it's weird and also it was the other great thing is that 22 episode season it was a long like we worked from we started in May I mean work Mm -hmm. until March Mm -hmm. and then we'd have two months off and then we know that we were coming back the next May it was like the perfect schedule yeah now like writers rooms are like two months long and then you never know (laughs) what's gonna happen and now it's, you know, 10 episode seasons, four or five writers, maybe yeah. um, jumping in some, you know, shows are just like stick with like, ah, well, one or two, I'll just do them all there, which is fine if you're whatever, that's a different kind of creative thing. Yeah. But these kind of shows just don't exist as much. And there's almost no room to grow in the way that you were able to grow. And even... I, I, I haven't fully put together this question yet because I was just reading a Twitter thread about it. So I apologize if I'm a little uh, scattered on it, but I, it was just, it was a writer talking about just how hard it is to staff right now, how, you know, hard it is to get reps right now as a TV writer because it's so hard to staff right now. So how are you feeling just in general about sort of, I guess the state of being a TV writer right now, because are you hopeful? Are you optimistic? Or are you as depressed as a lot of us, a lot of us are? Yeah, I'm feeling, um, it does feel hard to be optimistic. I feel like, I feel like 
yeah, it, it, I, there's there's a sense, I will say, I don't know whether it's not like, it's not optimistic, but there's a sense yeah. of feeling like, oh, okay, this is happening to everyone. Because yeah. sometimes you feel like it's just you and you're like, why mm-hmm. am I having such a hard time getting a rep or getting in a room or getting a meeting? But then it's like, oh, you hear from so many people like on Twitter and stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, this is like kind of like an industry-wide thing. And it's really tough because like, I don't necessarily know what the you hear people say this stuff comes in waves you hear people yeah. have been around a long time say ebbs and flows it comes in waves it'll it's here now and it'll come here um so i just have to kind of i guess trust in 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 that but there's not like even with like maybe a wga strike there's not like i don't necessarily know what the things that will change that would then like right. change the state of it how it is for a lower level tv writer you know mm-hmm. i'm not sure what it looks like besides shows having longer seasons and bigger rooms and stuff, which I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's something that, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely excited to hear more about just the negotiations and what they're coming after, because there are a lot of issues to address and just, it feels like a really, it just feels like a tough time right now all around. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of, I, I I had hung out with a couple of writers uh, last night outside because I'm on brand. I don't go inside with people anymore. Uh, it was a lot of, a lot of discussion about just how tough it is in general. Like Phil, like, I think my reps would be okay with me saying this. We'll find out if they listen, <laughs> find out if they listen. but I talked to them about like, should I be working on something like a pilot sample? Cause I've mostly worked in, in features at this point. And they were like, eventually maybe, but TV is just so tough right now that, the way that you might get in is writing the heat, like writing off of the heat of a feature sale or or a mm-hmm. feature getting made. It's like, just because there's no clear pathway in for somebody who is newer to television or, you know, has only been, you know, staffed once or twice or the lower level, mid-level, like it just feels like it's disappearing. And I don't know how those things are going to be addressed, but I, I know that's got to be on their docket to at least talk about yeah, no, I think so. And I mean, it's interesting because even where I'm at, I'm even like starting to work on more features and stuff because mm-hmm. I am like, well, I have several pilots I'm really happy with and I don't have a ton of feature stuff. And I'm like, well, I might as well in this time when everyone's kind of spinning their wheels, like seeing what's going to happen, like mm-hmm. get, you know, widen, widen the net, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of the only... <laughs> thing we can do right now that's the only thing we can control is our output and like we can't control how the industry receives it or what opportunities are going to come to us but I think having being ready and having those you know preparation is uh, luck is preparation meets opportunity kind of thing so like sure I've got a feature sure I've got a pilot like just be ready for whatever they can come to you with um, I want to move on to something a little happier because I think this is a depressing, <laughs> this is sort of a depressing topic. But one of your episodes um, of Brooklyn Nine Nine has one of the most iconic cold opens of the entire series. It's the the Backstreet Boys police lineup cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations, just for that's your that's your baby. That's from your script. That's I'm sure it was collaborative to some degree. I'm sure yeah. as a writer. But it's still like that's your credit to you because it's just such it's your episode and such a funny moment. How did that moment come together? Yeah, it was that was it was definitely like finding it was super collaborative. It was like, 
in the, I think I had written my episode with, that was actually my first episode. So it was really mm-hmm. another crazy thing. You came out of like, the gate swinging. <laughs> no, well, I, I had written my first episode without a cold open. Right. Just the plot of the episode. And then it was just like kind of the room itself. Like we were all pitching on it, coming sure. up with it. And and then we found this, you know, we found this. We really, really liked it. It went really well on the table read. They tried to try to convince us that they're there. Like, like we got an email right away that was like, we sent the script out and that was like really funny and cold open. Like it's going to be too expensive though. So we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then so we, we like, we all kind of felt it was like, we really we need to do this cold open. So I really like yeah. pushed for it. We were like, we can find the the budget for it. They tried to get us one really funny thing. And that's this is actually like tied into what has a, a like a callback joke in the very last episode of the show. But mm-hmm. they there's like certain songs that Universal owns that are free. <laughs> okay. And they tried, they were like, what if you did that cold open with the song Car Wash instead? And we were like, <laughs> uh they're like because that's that's free so that would be great if you could do it with car wash and so (laughs) not we're like we can't do that and then they added a joke in the finale of the whole show where it's like jake is starting to get criminals to do it again and he does car wash and stuff Mm -hmm. but um yeah and so pushed really hard for it was really happy with it i was like always a huge factory boys fan so i was always like so into it and it was really fun also on set too because on set i feel like I don't know. You never like know how something's going to turn out, but I kind of always from, even when we came up with it, we did it at a table read. I was kind of was like, I think this is going to be like a really big cold. open. Like I think people are going to really like this cold open mm-hmm. and like seeing it play out on set. And like we, ha- and then like we had the song playing like a lot that day, like people were like <laughs> listening to it, like to try to like get the words down. And sure. then by the end of the week, someone was like playing the song and everyone was like oh my god we've heard that song so much this week like <laughs> can we listen to a different song please yeah but yeah and so then i felt really good about it i felt really happy one that it was you know part of my episode that i had been involved in the process of you know helping come up with it and then when it like they dropped that clip like the day before the episode came out and they were like mm-hmm. oh here's a fun cold open and i shared it and it just got like a lot of response and so that was really like validating the way that I felt like can we like when you think you're like I think this is gonna hit hard and then it Mm -hmm. does and so it was really great and yeah I feel really lucky to be have been have my name on it and have contributed to it even though Mm -hmm. it was again very collaborative group effort full credit to you full credit to you okay Uh, okay okay uh we only we have about five minutes left i don't want to like miss i there's so much more i want to talk about these episodes always go too fast but that's part of the fun of the show i guess yeah um i want to i want to take some time to talk about you're you're teaching pilot writing at UCB now, yeah. um, which is very exciting, very cool. What what drew you to like want to, uh, you know, aside from aside from, you know, we writers need a million different jobs to stay alive right now. What right. drew what drew you to teaching, and like, what do you find like rewarding about it? And how can people find this class who want to maybe learn more about pilot writing? And yeah, yeah. Well, I had initially reached out to UCB about potentially teaching a sketch class and it was kind of like in that time in the pandemic where I was just like hmm wonder what else I can do right now because I'm you know whatever and Mm -hmm. they were like well actually no one's really taking the sketch classes right now because there's not mod night there's not nothing like that's happening right now but Mm -hmm. a lot of people are taking pilot writing because everyone wants to come out of the pandemic with a pilot and so they were like would you be willing to teach that and I thought about it for a while and I was like I mean I've written 
you know, fair my fair share of pilots and I've been in a writer's room. So I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll like give it a shot. And it's cool because it's very unlike the other classes that are like, here's UCB's curriculum. This is like very much like the teacher, like I came up with the curriculum for my class, oh, cool. you know? Yeah. And so I came up with the schedule and stuff I wanted to teach and everything. And yeah, I like really, really like it a lot. I feel like it's been one really fun for me to keep working on like pitching and working on, like, I, I feel like I read so many outlines and help try to fix story problems, which is exactly what you're doing, like in a writer's room. So mm -hmm. it's really like keeping those muscles alive, but then it's also just really satisfying to see like in the course of an eight week class, like the kernel of an idea that someone was a little unsure about then become like a really great draft by the end of it and mm -hmm. be, help, be able to help with that. And I have people who like take the class a second time because they want to write another a second pilot, which has been really fun, but oh, cool. yeah, I've been really liking it. And I've kind of found, I haven't, didn't ever realize, but I do like really enjoy like teaching in general. I think mm -hmm. it's really like teaching and kind of like I'm also like directing a mod team, like teaching and mm -hmm. directing and coaching and like mentoring is a thing that I just like seem to always find myself, whether like I mean to or not like gravitating towards. Mm -hmm. um, it seems yeah. like that's just something inside you. You went from like, I'm going to do improv a little bit at Chapman see what this feels like to like, I'm leading this team now. I like know. you, you I just, know. You, you, you end up in these roles of leadership. Maybe you're, you know, somewhere deep inside you. You're just a natural leader. It's so funny because I always think of myself as like not. I always think of myself as a person who's like likes to be around leadership, but never wants to be like the one who's making the decision. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I find, yeah, I find myself like directing a team, teaching a class, like doing this, doing that. And I'm always like, oh yeah, maybe I do, maybe I like secretly do just really enjoy because I do really enjoy like helping. I have, I find myself also like um really liking to like meet uh upcoming writers and like give advice mm -hmm. and talk about things I've done I I like always just like enjoy trying to like help people like do the thing that I'm doing and you know I think it's great I think that's great I think that's important I think I think a lot of us wouldn't be here unless there were people who did that for us so like it's nice to be able to do that for people and it's nice mm -hmm. that you enjoy that because I do think that's kind of a pay it forward thing that we I think we should all be doing once we are starting to have a little bit of success. Yeah. Um, we have a less than two minutes now. So I want to take this time right here um, to give you the opportunity. Where can people follow you? Uh, where can people find your class? Is there anything else that you want to plug, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Great. So let's see. You can follow me on Twitter. I post a lot of dumb stuff on Twitter. My, mm -hmm. It's like my handle is my name, Jeff Topolsky. Um, I post some stuff on Instagram. You can follow me there too. If you want, follow me on Twitter, maybe instead of, well, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Do you want to see <laughs> me or do you want to read me? It's whatever. Um, this class, I feel like I, you can go, classes are always up on the UCB website mm -hmm. and I try to teach. And they're all always, online at this point, right? Yes. So anybody anywhere can sign up for these. Yes, any, anywhere, anywhere. I have people from all over the country in the class, which is really cool. Um, I... And just started two classes, which means I'll be finishing them in eight weeks from now. So like in like end of March, and then I'll probably start two new ones because I like to always be doing it. So there'll probably be some classes in end of March and April. Um, I'm also directing a mod team, which is great. They're called Love Seat and they have a show. They have a show on February 15th and a show on March. Oh gosh, whatever the second or third Wednesday, you can check the UCB calendar. They're great. I'm directing that team and they're all full of all-stars. 
Um, that's all where you can find me. I think I don't, I'm, I don't know where else you can find me walking around. <laughs> I don't know. Walking, walking outside with my dog. I'm around, I'm around there. Yeah. All right. We have less than a minute. I don't know how much longer, but I want to take this time to get to know you even better. Jeff, is there a God? Oh my gosh. Is this, if I keep talking, if I like stall, will this, will this run out? So I don't have to answer this question. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes, and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay, too. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.